Okay, and welcome to another episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. And today we have a special guest with us, a fly fishing industry professional, Anthony Gulisano. And also, he is our illustrious first place winner of the 2020 second annual Bearfish Alliance Moonlight River Raid on the Truckee River. And you won on the Nevada side. Yeah. I yeah. Did. Yeah. That, that's um, not only was it an impressive catch. It was probably an un, unparalleled unmatch. I don't think anybody was gonna anybody was gonna chase that catch down. No, I don't think anybody's like in the area I was in too. It's you know right one of those spots that you know not many people know about. But if you know about it, there's some big boys there. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. And so Anthony, we are handing you your prize, which awesome. is a authentic Bucky River <laughs> driftwood. Hang it in my bathroom. Well done. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Now, I, we just want to know for our listeners, who is Anthony? <clears throat> so, I was born in upstate New York. Um, my father is a, still is a, a, fly, a, a drift boat guy on the Salmon River. Um, anybody, you know, from the East Coast probably knows what that is. Um, it's a tributary that runs out of, uh, runs into Lake Ontario. Um, and they're, they're famous for their massive steelhead runs, uh, salmon runs every year. Um, so that's pretty much where I grew up was on the salmon river, you know, with my dad fly fishing, did a lot of conventional stuff too. Um, you know, and from there I've pretty much fly fished my entire life. Um, took a little bit of a break in high school. Uh, got into other stuff, rock climbing and skiing and whatnot. Um, then, like, as I'm getting into my late 20s, I've come back into it full force, and now I'm, I work in the industry. Um, and I, uh, yeah. I'm, I was really interested in your your locations that yeah. you've lived at. You've so my probably wife, had access yeah. to a lot of different places. So my wife's a travel nurse, and we've bounced all over the country the past few years. Um, after we got married, she just kind of decided that she wanted to you know, take up travel nursing. So we've we've gone all over the country. Um, I've fished in a bunch of different rivers and areas all over the place, um, from everywhere from New Hampshire to Tennessee, down south, um, now out here, out west, which is like the mecca for me. You know, growing up, we heard about all of these like western rivers and you know. It's it's been pretty surreal the past year and a half that we've been here now. It's coming up on a year and a half. Um, it's been one of the most like just from the Truckee uh, to the Walker, like Nevada alone. A lot of the um, the the fish that I'm catching are like you know they're, they're these native browns and rainbows. Has it lived up to its reputation? Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, the only thing I will say about the Truckee is when I came out here, I thought that. It was going to be all dry fly every day of the week. Um, I had this perception of the West Coast. Well, that's the thing. You grow up and like you're, as, a, as a fly fisherman back east, you think the West is it's just dry flies. I could go massive salmon fly any day of the week and catch a fish. Get to the Truckee, and I did my did a little bit of research, and I figured, oh, well, be fine. I'll, I'll go throw you know big purple hazes every day. Not the case. Mm-hmm. Nymphing for sure, and then streamers as well. Right. But I, you know, I, I still get great dry fly activity on the river, but it's not, you know, it's not what I expected it to be. Still better than back east, I'll tell you that much. It's it, Ben could tell you January, February mm-hmm. uh, on the eastern Truckee and some of the stiller pools. Yeah. Uh, on the what is it the 
42 degree, 45 max temperature, like near 330 to 4. We've been out on there and, and that's when you can go and throw a size 20, 22, something black, something purple, something fuzzy, throw it on top of the water. Yeah. And then the browns are well, rising. So, um, I was doing back in uh, beginning of June, end of May, beginning of June, I was doing hopper dropper yeah. like crazy on the Truckee downtown. Yeah. And hammering decent sized fish on, and, you know. I'm sorry to say when you look in the Truckee playbook, that's generally I know, it's a, not, it's an not unauthorized accepted. activity. Yeah. Sir. Uh, I, I had a, I, I, I ran into a couple of people that they would look at you like, you're crazy. Uh-huh. What are you doing? Why are you not, why aren't you Euroing? Or why aren't you like, you know, right. nymphing? I'm catching fish. Here you go. Right. Look at it. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's there. Yeah. Um, I think the problem is a lot of people don't, they don't read the water correctly. Mm-hmm. And like, I've had great luck throwing even just a hopper. Right. In shallower water, or especially during that, you know, you get that high runoff, you find a nice riffle where a, a big brown or rainbow can come up and feed. And, uh, and you know, if you put a hopper, I mean, if they're within like six inches of water or something like that, and you put a hopper over their head, there's a good chance they're going to take it. Yeah. So, well, yeah, it's, it's it, a good it works. opportunity. Yeah. What was the first fish you caught in the trucky? Do you remember it? So it was a, it was like a little 14 inch rainbow. Beautiful. And I yeah. was, it, it, it was on dry fly because I was like, when I got here, I was intent on dry fly the West. Like I was like, I'm never going to fish you know anything what? but it's, a dry fly. It's worth it. Yeah. And then I, and I got it on a dry fly. And it was awesome. But then from there I was like, okay, you, you got a nymph if you want to catch more fish. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Here's the thing. You're, you two are an exclusive club because yeah. both you and Ben, Ben, I was there the day, first, first trout on a fly rod. On the Truckee River was on a dry fly. Yeah, and that's ninety nine percent of chance that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, it, 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 it happens. Yeah. You know, and I've 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 taken people out, and I've you know I've talked to people, and you know shown a couple guys like you can catch fish on a dry fly, and it's pretty awesome watching somebody who's never gotten never got a fish at all yeah. on a dry fly catch yeah. one. Like even if it's a small little fish, watching somebody throw up and take that fly, mm-hmm. that's that's rewarding in itself. I don't care how big the fish is. Absolutely. So it's it's yeah. there. Yeah. It's, absolutely absolutely i will say the walker though definitely i can go down there with a dry fly all day and it works i don't get it trucky walker and it's it's you know when you look at it it's a classic that walker the, the east walker in particular mm-hmm. is a classic western yeah you know waterway where when you picture like the montana or the idaho the, the open you know plain river yeah that's it right there. I mean, That's why I love the scenery down there alone. I mean, the, yeah, for me, coming from like Vermont, I know, the, scenery, the scenery here, just driving into Reno, being on the Truckee River is breathtaking alone. But then you get down to Walker, um, you know, it's just, oh, you, can't, you can't beat it. Yeah. No, it's just wide open. It's it's wild. I mean, you look at the I, fence posts down there, they're 100 years yeah, old still. I, I understand you know? why people come out here and they never leave. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... it's yeah. It's the way it should be. Right. Yeah. Right. And the lack of cell phone service on yeah, the East no, Walk. Yeah. You're like, it's, the it's, it's the ultimate experience because you're like, I you have to fish. You're, you're, Get off Instagram. Yeah. That's the world. That's yep. the world. Yeah. It's all, all business. I and, love it down there. Yeah. yeah. Ben, we did, we did everything from, there was Achi Ranch and past the elbow to two trees. Or two trees and, and what was it? This is two trees. We didn't go really into the elbow, past the elbow. Yeah, we we chaotic. yeah we got a lot of fish. Yeah, and 
Yeah, they're just being down there, you're in the old west. Yeah. You feel like you're a pioneer, you're looking for Native Americans, you're just thinking, I'm in another land, another time. Well yeah, it is cool. <laughs> like especially when you like the ra- on the ranch and you're down there and you're walking the river, there's there's no you don't hear any cars. No. You don't there's there's dirt roads, maybe a truck would buy every now and then. Right. There's no skyscrapers, there's nothing, you know. And there's I, I never see anybody else down there either. Right. You know, and if you do, you're so there's so much room down there to yep. where it doesn't matter. And the beauty of it is that I mean, you've been picking off some beautiful browns in this river. Mm-hmm. Probably some of the the most consistent top yeah. notch I mean, I, I love it. It's it's great to see that. But, you know, with the East Walker, you know, that thing has got its it, it's loaded as well. And the yeah. and the brown population and unbelievably a river that's a quarter the size of the truck, if not smaller. Is holding even bigger. Well, I know a lot of gracious browns. A yeah. lot of guys I know, and I, I haven't put too much time in down in that section. Is um, you know below the below the Bridgeport Dam. Mm-hmm. There's some good spots down there. You yeah. know, got to work the water, but you know that's some some pretty cool water down there. Start at the toilet bowl. Feed your confidence up on the perch. Yeah, you're like, feeding on those perch. Anything. Well, the, the problem is that. Those browns are feeding on those perch, yep. and that's what produces. That's kind of what we had back east wow. fishing, um, fishing any of the tributaries coming uh, from from Lake or going into Lake Ontario. Um, is you have massive browns that are that are living in the lake that are feeding on little perch, little bait fish coming out of the rivers. They have a massive lake to grow huge in, and that's where, like, I mean, I will say some of the biggest browns I've ever caught in my life have been back east. Just because they're coming out of Lake Ontario, they're right. massive. They're big feeder fish, but I, but here it's been they're, they're athletic. You know, because they're Absolutely. living in a river, they're strong. Like those big guys, they're cool. But you're really it's like fishing a pyramid where you're just it's it's a it's a fight because you're really in a tank. Mm-hmm. Whereas here they're big, but they're also they're they're athletic. They're gonna go. You know, they're gonna you're gonna chuck a streamer or a sculp in or whatever you whatever it may be. They're not grabbing it and just sitting there. Like they're they want to take off. No, it's no. been pretty awesome. They have a quite a unique, at least on the Truckee, there's a unique submarine and gator effect that they have. Yeah, it, and it's it's if you get a big one that's just you can tell has been casually eating all day, he'll grab your fly. If you're nymphing or, mm-hmm. or streamer fishing, you'll feel it like oh, everything just stopped moving. It's like a oh, it's not a snag. It's not a snag, yeah. and then it'll move like left or right, and then all of a sudden it engages all engines. You know, yep. it's 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 the Santa Fe choo choo gone. And then as you start getting in, they transform. They're like a shapeshifter or, or whatever. They go from, oh, I'm a brown trout. Oh, now I'm a crocodile. Yeah. And they start doing their death <laughs> rolls. And you're like, yeah. I've never seen brown trout anywhere do as many death rolls as they yeah. do in Truckee. And you're just like, what you? I mean, they, they're, it's they're crazy. It, yeah. It's bizarre. Well, going out, like, so mousing for them has mm-hmm. been one of my favorite things to do so far. Yeah. Um, and it's, they, um, they'll hit it. And they'll try to drown it, and when they do grab it, they're still like, like you said, they're trying to roll it. Like they're trying to drown it. Like they still, I don't even think half the time when you get them on the mouse, they're they're in such an aggressive mode. They don't even know they're they're hooked right away. They're just trying to like drown that mouse, kill that mouse, and then eventually they it kicks in because they'll sit there and they'll they'll roll it in one spot, and then eventually it kicks in. Okay, I'm hooked. You know, something's pulling on me, and then they, then then they run. So maybe you could expand on that really quick because I know you had your recent success with the Moonlight River Raid. Yeah. And with your mousing experience, I know you told me something that actually helped me out. Yeah. Um, was how those browns traditionally will hit it. Like if 
you were telling me something about the first impulse, like that first hit. Generally, yeah. you're not gonna. It's so you want to go. So yeah. you want to set. So the biggest thing, and we did a lot of mousing back east. Huh. Um, and typically, when fish are going after mice, I mean, I don't know how it is in Alaska. I, I know they they'll get they'll get hammered up there. But baby moose, for, they eat baby moose up there. They're yeah. big fish. They're pretty huge. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so what I what I've what I've noticed, and this seems to be true with everybody else I know that mouses is. Um, you'll get fish that'll come up and they don't want to grab a live mouse or whatever they think it is. They don't want to grab that thing alive because it's got claws and little teeth and everything. I think they know that, especially when you've got a fish that is actively feeding on rodents sure. like that. They um, they want to drown it. So they'll come up and they'll smack it, and you'll feel that tug, like because they smell. You'll you'll feel that you'll feel that that that, that impact there, and you, everybody's first instinct is to set and kind of have to just let them take it. That's the that's the that's the biggest thing I found is I'll have fish hit two three four times and on the same drift and then they'll grab it and what they're trying to do is they're trying to see is this thing going to swim away do I need to drown it like can I knock it out you know am I pushing it underwater and um, watching my buddy do it one night I mean I was able to it was just light enough out and I watched one kind of come up almost like an orca and it like kind of like came up out of the water a little bit with its head. And smacked it on the side, on, on the top, like it's trying to push it down in the water so it can drown it and then get better access to wow. it. So that's been the big thing is like if you're going to mouse, you've got to, you know, let them grab it. You know, be ready to set. When, when, when you feel them pulling on it, then yeah, you're going to start doing your thing. Right. But if you're out mousing, you know, you got to get past that instinct of just setting every time you feel a strike. And you'll, you'll be more successful in that aspect. Absolutely. Absolutely, and and you've been you've been a pretty I picked up on that you're you're a strong steward of the river or huh? any environment that you've been in, and I know that you attribute that to I mean you take that to the river not only with just any natural action that you would take to yeah. to, to, to uh, enhance river quality, but especially when it comes to fly fishing styles. Yeah, and and this is something that may be a, a looked over topic, or some people may consider it a taboo topic where. They have a preferred style, or they stick to that. Where yeah. in, hand, in, in your experience, maybe you could speak a little to that to your to your favorite style, and maybe what you've been seeing out on the river or local river uh, waterways. So I look at I look at all the techniques that you can have. I look at them as like arrows in your quiver. Mm-hmm. You know, every one of them has their place. Mm-hmm. Some of them more effective, some of them less. Depends on the condition. Depends on the type of fish you're going for. Um, for me, I would say streamers. You know, that's got to be up there as far as one of my favorite. Um, I didn't have a lot of confidence in streamers growing up because I, I think as, as being a kid growing up, you just want the fish right away. Yeah. Um, and you might go out with a, with a big, you might be hucking a big like eight inch sex dungeon or something and not get anything all day. The cool thing is when you do get a fish, it's going to be worth it. Right. And I think um, a lot of people give up on streamer fishing too easily because they go out two, three days in a row and, Maybe their technique isn't right. Maybe just stuff doesn't line up. They just don't get a fish, and they miss out on that, you know, that that aggression that you can get out of a stream, uh, out of a fish, off of a streamer. Um, so for me, that's probably my favorite. Um, then you know, indicator new thing, uh, dry fly. Obviously, I, I feel like that's I, I would actually put uh, streamers higher than dry flies. The, sure, the hit is just you know it's cool watching the fish come out, but there's something about Pulling in a big fat streamer 
uh, tight line and you get a 20 inch, you know, three inch bow or brown and come up and smack it. Right. And you feel like it's like, it's like, yeah, it just gets you going. It's like, you feel that raw adrenaline, that, that muscle going. Absolutely. Yeah. It's that strike. You're right. Yeah. And the other thing I've been, I've been intrigued about is that you're one of the few, if maybe not the only other guy out there that likes to throw. Well, Ben and I, Ben's been doing it more than I have lately with Kiwi. Yeah. Throwing a Kiwi. Oh, yeah. Not There's, a bobber, a Kiwi. No, they're, they're you know, <clears throat> so my, my traditional way of doing it is do the Kiwi mm-hmm. with a single nymph. I know a lot of guys are like, oh, well, you're missing out on that second fly. And you're, 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 maybe you're not going to get something because you're throwing one fly. The drift that you get, I think, actually ends up being more effective. Because you're able sure. to get a single fly. You're able mm-hmm. to accurately, I mean, with, with the New Zealand style indicators, you're able to tuck that thing and put it wherever you want it to. Super sensitive. They float better than people give them credit for. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they really do. Like I've, I've, hung, I've used them on a pyramid, and they, they'll hold up some pretty heavy flies in turbulent water. Um, but like, so for me, a single nymph underneath it is that's, that's the game changer. I mean, that, that gives you a perfect drift and maybe you have to take more time hitting the runs and really like picking the water apart and gritting it off, but you're going to get a really good drift. And nine times out of 10, you put that nymph in front of the fish's face, going that speed and everything, they're going to take it. Wow. Yeah. And that's, it's a super, I, I've been fancying it, Especially in the winter, mm-hmm. um, because you're kind of stuck to indicator fishing, at least yeah. on the truckie, because you got slower water, colder water, clearer yeah. water, um, yeah, more visibility for the fish because of less foliage around and stuff. So it's it's you got to come in. Quiet. So that's that's where I think it works a lot is when you have even like right now when you have low water, uh-huh. pretty clear for the most part. Yeah. Um, if you get right up on a fish, like if you're trying to euro or something, and you've got a run that's maybe two feet deep, that fish can easily see you. Yeah. Um, with the New Zealand style indicators, they they land like they're like a dry fly. They cast right. almost less than like there's less drag when they land. They don't really make much of a, they don't make any real impact. Right. Um, they're still sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to men, they don't go under the water. They don't sink. Um, they look like the frog they look water like floating. A yeah. You and you can, and, and the nice thing water. is, like I said, when you get shallow or just that really clear water where a fat like airlock might spook that fish, right. these are Zealand style indicators. They just they they work. Yeah, and I think I think the regular like the airlocks are great just because they're they're quick function. Yeah, you know, screw on, screw off, and I've I've had great luck in those like like on our fly craft. Mm-hmm. I'm drifting. Yeah. Well, basically, while on a drift, I'm chasing the bobber. Yeah. You know, you're so getting like, long. Yeah, you're getting a. Yeah. Hundred yard drift, right? You're like, yeah. hey, number one in front of the boat. Hey, you know, you know, we're gonna go port. We're gonna go starboard or left or right. For yeah. those of you that don't speak nautical, and with the boat, I'm just gonna sit there and point the nose, you know, at that indicator because I'm moving the same speed as that. So I'm like, you're covering, like you said, yeah, you're gonna cover hundred yards like that, and nothing happens. You're like, well, yeah, you know, this, probably we really suck, or we have that rig set up wrong, or we just suck. Yeah. Um, but when you take that same set up and you're standing on a piece of water yeah now you're repetitively going over that same section be. over and over again you know, you've got to like, be stealthy yeah be stealthy. and that's that's mm-hmm. a, that's a big thing with fly fishing yeah. and the kiwis are equally at home on the boat by the way. yeah you know no, they're, right. those are, they're, they're 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 the way to go yeah, yeah I'll, I'll throw an airlock when you've got like really heavy water 
moving really fast. Where it doesn't matter. Where you're like, just and, I'm, and I'm trying to hang like two bugs underneath. I'm trying to hang a big fat stone fly right. and a big tungsten beaded like Duracell or something. Like then, yeah, I'll throw an airlock on because that's gonna that thing's that thing's right. not gonna sink. Right. Ben frequently throws rocks in the water, or splashes in the water when I'm fishing too. So normally. Just oh, it's, it's weird. He just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. But Actually, we were just wet waiting. Yeah. <laughs> you did. He, started he was already out of the water. Outside we hadn't had. A, we haven't even had a tug. Yeah. Not. Not. Fish didn't even look at anything we had all day. Nothing. Nothing. So basically, we were getting out of the water, and I just found like the perfect skipping stone. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't resist. He was long gone, and I just tried to skip it across the river. Yeah. Like, then you're scaring the fish. There's no joke. Yeah. I don't think there was any that's how, in that that's section your, of the river. It happened. Washing your hands, <laughs> yeah. too. But that's the beauty of it here, and I'm, I'd imagine everywhere, yeah. where if you don't get a fish, you don't get a bite, so what? Yeah. You're in I'm the river, outside. you're yeah. in the Sierra Nevadas. And some of those know, days, incredible. some of those days where you don't get fish, or you don't get a lot of big fish, or a lot of, I mean, a lot of, you know, you're getting one small one. Those days humble you, because then two days later, like that, the the brown I won this with yeah um I like a like two days prior I went out and got completely skunked like I had one tug popped off nothing you know it was really hot day um you know started in the morning kind of worked towards the middle of the day and just like not really anything I I I went I started streamers in the morning and then switched the indicator you know hopper dropper I was like trying everything. Yeah. Then you go out a couple of days later, switch technique up a little bit, try a different section, and then boom. You know, it's... I grew up surfing, and so in surfing, yeah. I'd say, I always tell this to people who are learning to surf, 95% of surfing is navigation. Yeah. You know, diving, looking where the wave's coming, paddling out, getting yeah. your gear. and That's the thing with fly fishing, if you don't catch... You're still yeah. every second processing information, you're learning, learning yeah, you're watching, right. you know, mending. Well, that's the that's the thing with um, my buddy brought this up. There's a uh, a video about kids. It was it was the kids like how fast they would eat a marshmallow, and based on how fast they ate the marshmallow, if they could wait long enough. They were somebody who was willing to. Learn. Oh yeah, they I've learned. heard about yeah, that experience. It's the kid that eat, if, if they eat it right away, they just want instant gratification. Yeah. And I feel like fly fishing is the kid who's going to sit there and wait and just wait till somebody right. tells them it's okay. You know, because fly, you will like a, a lot of newcomers. You're going to go out and you're going to get skunked. You're going to get snagged. You're going to not know how to cast properly. I mean, I'm, I'm, whenever I'm always like last night, I was out swinging my spay rod and I came across a guy who was at best water loading it, he was doing it not too well and then i was able to kind of talk to him like hey you get anything today and he's like no i'm new i'm like okay let me, let me can i can i help you and i just put my stuff down went and helped him and then getting me he got like a little 12 inch stalker but nice hey, at least i put him on a hole told him what to do kind of gave him the idea of like this is how you mend like i, I was watching his cast wasn't the problem as though he wasn't mending he was just right. like just now, our, our primary, one of the people, um, one of the listeners are the men and women out there who live here. They see the river. Mm -hmm. They want to get out there. They're in their routines, you know. So it's kind of somebody we target who wants to experience fly fishing. Yeah. And what are some common things or something advice you give them 
as they're coming out, common mistakes or kind of what what should be their their setup when they come out. Don't start with your own thing. Good. That's the that's the uh, so right now the biggest thing I've seen this. Um, too many people are getting into it through euro nymphing alone, which is an extremely, I mean, we all, we've all done it. Uh-huh. Extremely easy technique. It's fun. You're going to catch a lot of fish if you do it. Um, it's, it, problem is you don't, um, you get a lot of guys that just, they, they watch a video on YouTube. They, or their buddy takes them out. They just like, they're like, hey, I just want to catch a fish. Their buddy takes them out, lets them euro. It's kind of how I got into it. Explain what euro is for the the guys. So, tight line nymphing is, I guess, the best way to put it. Because there's all, I guess, there's all these different, you know, I guess, tenkara could be considered euro. You basically could. Yeah. You're, I mean, so with euro, you're, I mean, for me, the way I, the way I go about it is I do a really heavy stone as my anchor fly, you know, runs up a couple feet to a nymph. Um, like a Duracell or a pheasant tail, and that goes up another couple of feet until I get to my cider line, and you're essentially dredging the bottom of the river, um, and you're you're able to get down, which is the, that's 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 the bit that's I guess that's the for me when I say I have a bunch of different techniques in my quiver, Euro falls into one of those techniques that I'll use on really high water, turbulent water where I can't get a good drift with an indicator, um, maybe even something where I, I can't even get a streamer to work, you know, because I got too many things, too many currents and eddies pulling my line and my fly in all different directions, not giving me an accurate drift or accurate presentation and not letting me hit the water I want to. So Euro is great for that. Like spring runoff, when you've got, when the river's running at 2,000 CFS, mm-hmm. that's great. You know, you could sit there and just pop them out. Right. Um, but the problem I see with a lot of people who are getting into it now is they're they're not learning any of the basics. They're just getting into Euro. They don't want to learn anything else. They think this is like God's gift to green earth. Um, oh, sure. And it's fine. If you're catching fish, that's fine. My biggest contention with Euro nymphing is the stress that it can put on fish, especially when we start getting into like the two weights and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're somebody who's getting into it, who doesn't al- already doesn't have the skills on how to handle a fish properly or fight a fish properly, um, and then rehabilitate that fish when you get it, when you get it in your net and then get it back in the river, you put it on like a two-weight or something super light like that, which is the direction I'm seeing it going. These fish are like rolling rolling over. I mean, speaking for me, um, fishing when I euro when I would euro nymph with a 10-foot three-weight, um, I would notice that, you know, you look back on it, I'm like, these fish are, you know, even, and I'm, I'm a pretty good angler. I like to think I am. And I'm getting these fish in as quickly as I can with with, with, with my setup. And I'm still noticing I'm sitting there an extra four or five minutes with this fish like, trying to get this thing to go. And, you know, there's a really big one that I caught up in Verdi last summer when I got here. And awesome fish. But it took me a while to get, like, by the time I was able to get it back into the net, it was just, like, you know, this, rolling. It, yeah. yeah. And there's no guarantee on its success after that yeah. because you could let it go and you're like, oh, he'll make it. Yeah, well, you he, should. He's, his depletion rate is so high he may not be able to catch yeah. back up. You should. So the idea isn't to fight the fish to exhaustion, right. you kind of want to overpower the fish. And that's where, like, for streamers, it's great because I can put zero X on and haul that guy in. I mean, he's still going to fight me, but... And you're attracting an aggressive fish yeah, already. who's going to... Who's and, hungry. And, and, and when, when I get him in the net and pop that hook out of his mouth, he's ready to go. Like, yeah. there's, there's no, like, sitting there with him. Like, they're, they're, they they want to get the heck out of there. Um, with Euro, I'm like, every fish I catch is just, like, dead in the net. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and even if you are... 
great a great angler, you can still mess that up. And right. Imagine a set like like I said, hundred degrees outside, water temp is like in the sixties. I mean, no. and you're using a two weight mm-hmm. that can put some damage on fish. Absolutely. And I and my worry is with everything that's happened with coronavirus, um, all the shutdowns, people have extra money, extra time, and I've seen a lot of urinimping pop into the scene. Like it's skyrocketing. Um, it, it's it's enormous. And I, my fear is is that too much of that is going to put undue strain on, on on the fish in the river. I, I agree with you. And you know, I've seen on the river uh, same thing. You go around every nook, cranny, and corner, and you got somebody, as they call it, they're slicing bread out there. Yeah. Right. You know, they're they're doing their thing. And you know, I love seeing I love seeing new fly fishers. I love seeing people getting on the water. It's yeah. great. But here here's like you said, where the point is, it's it's you know, how is it affecting that fish, especially at this time of the year? Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, it's it's that lack of knowledge on those other styles, which I wish that's kind of like why we're here. It's like, hey, let's educate those yeah. anglers on that. Where I go out with, you know, Ben see me, it's like I go out with a, a two-handed, you know, I'm out there with a switch yeah. and I'm, I'm rolling line. And you, the looks you get on populated sections where left or right, they're like, hey, what's that guy doing? You know, <laughs> well, that's like, kind of been my tactic like, lately is I've gotten a couple people to to – the, that I that I've met through fishing here um, to try different techniques mm-hmm. and be successful on them, and, and right. they'll be like, "Oh, this is awesome! I can't believe I, I waited this long!" Like, you know, um, and that's kind of been my my technique. I, I don't try to like jump on people. Like, right. I don't want to. I don't want to get get up. Like, I don't want. I don't want to high hole somebody or, or low hole them or whatever. But um, like last night, I was out swinging downtown, and I had people that were like that were fishing that were walking back up. You know, kind of asking, like, what are you doing? And it's like they were Euro nymphing, or they were, you know, doing some other technique and they want to know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, um, like, that's kind of the that's, that's that's the direction I've been going with it is not trying to like shame Euro because I think no. it has, I think it does have its place sure. in certain instances. Um, I just, I think it can get abused. I think it, um, I think it is getting abused. I think there's way too many people that are just, Using those two weights and three well, weights, and they're, they're they're harming fish, and it's like right. you can you can be and you can be more effective with other techniques. Certain times of the year, like you get these guys that go out in Euro, and one of the guys that I've kind of I, I wouldn't say turned, but is now indicator nymphing with a kiwi. Right. Um. He kind of got to the point where it was like middle of you know he he's, he was he was saying to me like you know I get. In the summertime, I just don't catch it. I'm not catching a lot of fish. I'm euroing, and it's like works great in the spring and the fall and the winter. And he's like, I just don't understand. Like I get in the summer, and it's like that's like the hot time of the year. That's when we get fish that are feeding on the surface. They're, they're moving, you know. And finally, he started to indicate. He's like, wait, but, you know, the, this works. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a confidence thing too. You get guys that get into it, the euro nymph, um, and they might try something else. They don't get they don't get a fish right away. You know, and it's it's like that that, that kid that eats the marshmallow. Mm-hmm. They don't want to put that little bit of extra effort into it. So. And I think there, there's an immediate bypass of some fundamentals. Ex- uh, yeah, so. that's that's the biggest problem. I think is you you can get into euro nymphing without any guidance. You can watch a right. video uh, as long as you understand the technique, and you go and buy the proper rig. And even then, you don't need the proper rig. I learned how to do it on nine foot five. Mm-hmm. Obviously, obviously, a ten foot, a ten foot three way is going to be the more effective Euro rig. Sure, um, but you can go and watch a uh, 
watch a video on it, understand the technique, go to the store, buy a Euro rig, and be relatively effective with it. Sure. Um, and the, the problem is with, within that, you bypass, a, like, I guess you could say mentorship. Mm-hmm. You bypass, like, somebody teaching you how to properly and ethically handle a fish. Not using gloves. I see a lot of guys using these sun gloves with these grip, like gripping texture on yeah. them. I'm like, take your gloves off. I mean, you're already you you're already doing you're you're already taking some of the slime off with a wet hand. Why are you using a grippy, tacky texture that's meant to like grip a rod and, and strip line all day? Like, it's not gonna right. be, it's not good. So you get stuff like that. They don't know that you're supposed to. You know, even when I get a, a big fish that's ready to go in the net, I still try to get him in the water and make sure. Last thing I want to do is have a fish that like kind of half-ass makes it out and then see it roll over mm-hmm. as it as it gets caught in the current. Right. So rehabilitating the fish is 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 a is a big thing that I've seen with a lot of people. How they handle the fish, you know, people don't understand that you're not supposed to on the gills. You know, you're not supposed to pull it on dry land. I see a lot of that too. Uh, people that, don't, yeah. people don't have nets, so right. they, so their their first instinct is to pull it up on on on, on ground. You know, and it, I guess if you were to keep the fish, fine. It's only okay with planters. Yeah. <laughs> Even then, I treat I, I treat, treat them fine. Too. I treat the planters. I treat the planters with uh with just as much respect as an as a native sure. fish. Because for me, I'm looking at it like this is a fish that I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. Even though those planters, they get they just end up either getting eaten or they they eat so many hooks over the course of two weeks, they just end up dying from whatever. Right. And that's what they're plant. That's what they're there for. They're there for they're there for for angling. They're not right. there to reproduce. They're there to, to take the burden off. Of, I mean, take the burden off of the native fish. Other people catch them, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah. So like you get into that with I, I've seen that with the urine thing is people are getting into it with not a lot of knowledge of what they're doing and how to handle the fish properly. Even 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 just uh, common courtesy on the river. You got guys that bump. that's a big one. I've had a lot of guys just bump in front of me, like like close, like to where I'm like I'm gonna hit you with my cast. Like, mm-hmm. What are you doing? Um, but what's that with the cast? Well, like you might have, yeah, right. They have, so they that's have a, that, that was a jab, like yeah. casting. What's that? Well, mean? so yeah, I, I, we, I've had that a lot, and and you go to fish somewhere like you go to fish like a park or like something like that. I expect, you know, I go fish like Mayberry. I expect there's people bouncing in and out. There's there's, there's already people with dogs. Traffic areas. Yeah. But when I'm up in Verdi or out on East, you know, East Truckee in the middle of nowhere, and some dude just walks in twenty feet from me and starts fishing. Not even like a hey, which way are you working? Mm-hmm. Are you going up? Are you down? You know what technique are you doing? Not even like polite conversation. They just start fishing. It's like, yeah, what's water. going on, man? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna fight you over it, but like that's not cool. No, you see a lot of. I'd imagine. Do you see different cultures throughout the United States on different rivers, or is it primarily a general do's and don'ts? So yeah, it's it's pretty much the same. Like fly fishing wise, it's you know you don't you don't want to high hole people, you don't want to low hole people because you might have some bad swinging downstream. Mm-hmm. And so everywhere I've gone, it's always been common courtesy to if you if you're going to fish near somebody, try to make conversation with them. If you're going to go to that length to fish within, I would say a couple hundred yards, even like for me, I'm like right. hundred yard, like I'm like hundred yards away from you. Like I don't know which way you're working, so I'm gonna try to figure out like, all right, are you going Upstream, or are you going downstream? Try to like ask them how their day is going. You know, figure out where they're going. And if, if they're going upstream, then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna fish here, fish downstream, you know, or, or vice versa. And that's pretty concurrent everywhere you go, from the northeast to the to the south to out here. 
Right. I'd imagine right now all those spots are all probably they get, headed in a similar direction as the Truckee, where it's it's so, starting to be you know more scarce resources. But you know, when people forget basic courtesy, yeah. there's just no excuse for that. Well, so there was so um, the river my dad guides on. You'll get that a little bit during uh, standing season when it's just they're they're running and. You'll you'll see them. You'll be four inches of water, and you'll see hundreds of them because they're backside of the water. Um, you'll get a lot of people that come from New York City, Albany, places like that. Sure. They're just they're just they're out there with spinning gear. And they don't care. They're just flossing fish, um, and that's kind of accepted. There. Right. Well, it's to be um, it's to be expected. It's, it's, yeah. it's just like it's a it's a it's, it's a culture thing, but it's just like. This is, hey, this, yeah. this is what happens here. Yeah, this so, is, that's what happens. All right, let's deal with yeah. it. It's not yeah. a secret spot. But, but in the West, it's it's. But it's, even but even even out even out there, if you're on like a small stream, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're on the Lemoyne in Vermont, like you're not gonna you're not gonna bump in twenty feet below somebody, even fifty feet. You're gonna try to give them a wide berth, figure out which direction they're going. Um, I mean, and, and fishermen are pretty. I mean, I like to think that we're pretty nice. Like, if I'm out alone and some other guy is out alone, I'll be like, hey, you want to work this section with me? Like, you want to, you know, fish together? Right. We call it okay. the Madison effect. When we get the crowding, yeah. I love using that because I mean, the Madison is such a, it's, it's such a productive fishery, but it's it's so heavily fished. Yeah. You know, and they can handle it, but it's, it's like here when we see busy stretches, yeah. we got two names for it. My favorite is, you know, it's it's Madison. You know, that's the Madison, and yours is what Ben? What do you call it? Fly? Is it FlyCon? WormCon. Yeah. Oh, WormCon. Yeah, like a Worm. convention. <laughs> WormCon. Yeah, Worm. there's some sections that you'll go to, and it's just packed. And I'm like, like, why are you like? I mean, to to even to even fish, even if you're your own thing, to fish that close to people, I just don't understand it. It's like you're a snaggle. Like you're, and you're also like, I guess you could say you're stealing each other's fish. Mm-hmm. Like it's. It's just so weird when you when you go and you like you go downtown and there's a couple holes downtown. Yeah. You go there and there'll be four or five people standing in the, like shoulder to shoulder just doing like like you said slicing bread. Right. Right. Um, and it, I guess you can expect that in those high crowded areas, those those parks, like whatever. But when I start seeing that in places like Bird Eye, East Walker. I'm starting laughing because Ben's the most mild mannered dude ever. Yeah, and you see him get upset like at when we go to those desolate, yeah. desolate sections, and Ben will just be like, "What's going on?" Yeah, like, yeah. How do you say, it? like, dude? It's he's even he's astonished at getting yeah. upset. Like, how can there be so many people on a Tuesday at eleven? Yeah, it's, some, it's sometimes it's tough because <laughs> you forget that you're not the only fly fisher. Yeah, and that's right. and you you know you make the mistake of not having. Plan B, mm-hmm. and you go to the or spot, you're you're spot hit, and, yeah, there's and you're like, there. there's literally eight cars yeah. in a two-car parking space. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, dang, now I'm going to this other spot. At least that's great. Yeah. And bam, that, Same thing. and you're just, by, it's just well, like, like I said, with endless. The, with everything that's happened with people being out of work, that's increased quite a bit. Yeah. Fly fishing is definitely, I think there was uh, some article from I mean, it was Trout Unlimited, Trout Unlimited, or something, and they were saying that the interest in fly fishing has gone up more than like it's like quadruple from what it did when when like what a river runs through it came out. Oh there was God. a huge spike, yeah. mm-hmm. and then now yeah. it's like it's just through the roof. Yeah. Fishing has been insane, so not just fly fishing, but 
conventional everything. It's just been like, you know, it's what just, are you gonna do? it's so therapeutic. Yeah. It's such a connection to raw nature. And that's, I don't want to deny, I, I would, my, my, my point is, I don't want to deny anybody that. I think that's great. The more people, the better. I just think that there needs to be ethics. There needs to be, you know, the way you're treating the fish, the way you're treating the river. If we get too many people that are hopping into it through easy methods, whether it's conventional or Euronymphing, um, you can have pretty bad impacts. Um, I know in Europe, there are certain instances, there are certain areas where your leader, because they, the problem with Euronymphing kind of came about, um, and they your leader can't be more than like nine feet. That's mm. kind of where that standard comes from. Like you can't have a leader. There are certain places in the U.S. that are like that. Um, the river that my father guides on, there's a fly fishing only section because they went through, and this was from conventional fishing and just overfishing in general. Right. From right. all different techniques, and they were like, eventually they were like, this is not good. Like our steelhead population is is, is being hurt because you have thousands of people coming up from New York City every year, keeping the steelhead that they're catching and, or not handling them properly and putting them back. The salmon, obviously, it's like, they're going to die. When they run up to spawn, they're done. Might as well keep the salmon when, when you're catching. Um, but the, the steelhead population took a really big hit. And then eventually they started putting bar, a lot of barbless sections in, yeah. whether you're conventional or fly fishing. They put in fly fishing only sections. Um, they started to put, uh, like, you can only have two, two barbed hooks. So you can't even use a treble hook now. Um, so there's, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so, so there's been changes on this river that yeah. you, you may or may not be familiar with, but just the, up until how, yeah, there's a how back. So that's, I'll get to that in a second, but, but up here in the bird eye section mm-hmm. from state line, um, state line up to about Crystal Peak Park, yeah. um, used to be the wild section mm-hmm. up until four years ago. So five years, something that's pretty recent. Okay. And the reason was, is just because they wanted that section where, you know, it could hold fish, you know, for that specific, you know, single barbless hook, fly mm-hmm. fishing only or artificial lure only. Yeah. You know, no, no, zero take, you know. And then further down the river, it had a more open limit. What they changed it to was uh, state line to Derby Dam, three fish, any size. Yeah. You know, um, regardless. And now we have past, uh, right past Vista or Lockwood, you know, it's single barbless hook. Yeah. You know, one fish limit. But I have noticed, you know, Pre pre COVID pre busy traffic on the river that that bird eye section was holding out pretty well, mm-hmm. and now it's kind of a ghost town. Yeah, which is sad because it did hold some nice fish, consistent fish, and now I can come in there with I'm looking at same exact flows. I mean, I mapped this stuff. I'm mm-hmm. coming in the flows right, right time of year. Yeah, you know, um, I know we got these kind of hatches going on, this kind of environment. Um, I know how to attack them. And you go in there, and those lanes haven't changed in those sections. There's yep. some hard freestone lanes. Yeah, they're like, not. Yeah, they're not moving. No, and you're just like that's the same rock. That's the same, and and there's no action. There's no rise. There's no. You can't. You can't see them. You can't feel them. And the few that you know that do get pulling out of there or overflows from California. Yeah. And you're like, man, there is an impact. There right. is there there is an impact, and where it's still producing now is below the dams. Mm-hmm. You know, so above Derby, Derby Dam and below, you know, the big. Um, the bend dam, yeah, you know, so because that's where the fish can move freely up and you mm-hmm. know down, but anything above that, nothing, yeah. and below that, nothing. So, well, that's that, why that's, though, that's 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 the thing I don't want to see happen is, um, you know, 
from being, I guess you could say, a, a newcomer here, I'm still, I still feel like I'm new here. Been here, even though I've been here for over a year. Um, last thing I want to see is like an awesome river system that I like fell in love with instantaneously, like degrade like that. Right. And you're kind of starting to notice it. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen, I've caught plenty of fish that are like they've got that that infection on the back of their tail, and I'm like, you've definitely been. All of your slime has been scrubbed off by something, and I can only guess what that is. Right. Um, and I've, I've, I mean, it's just I don't want to see that happen. Um, I don't, but I don't want people to not fish. No, I just right. want them to do it ethically. I want them to to know how to handle the fish properly. Know when they should use certain techniques. Like you said, I think you're nymphing with a two weight rod, which is so far one of the most appalling things I've seen. For some of the size of the fish you get out of the truck is big. They're they're big. Yeah. These aren't like little brook trout you get in a little tiny stream. These are big fish that can pull you around on a seven weight. And you know, I can only imagine the stress that you're gonna have to put that fish under with a rod like that by the time by the time you can get it in the net. And is it gonna be able to recover from that when you're in that seventy degree water? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and go ahead. Well, I was actually thinking of another scenario that you told us about we were talking about the crowds we're talking yeah. about the usually mellow vibe turning a little bit more heated oh yeah and i uh, understand that you experienced or you've so i heard in oh so this contact is with information so I, about an incident yeah so the there truck. was so uh, do do we want to talk about that? I'm not gonna well, name names. Just yeah, no, we'll yeah, just, no we'll just, names. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just pretend it, it's like state sponsored censorship here. So just yeah. like use fake names and fake. So yeah, there was there were so we need so this them is, to know what is, not to let happen. This, anybody, <laughs> so yeah, right now there's there was an incident that happened over the weekend, I believe, um, between two individuals, um, and a firearm was pulled, and it wasn't like a Typical self-defense thing, like bear, or like some almost crackhead trying to attack you. Bullwhip coming it, after you out there. It, yeah. If those of you who know bullwhip, you know what we're talking about. Yep, yeah. I know that. <laughs> but um, essentially, from what I've gathered from the people that know, from 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 some people that know these people, it was two friends. They were out on the river fishing together. One of them gets a fish on. The other goes to net it for him. In the process, messes the net up. You know, fish breaks off, tippet breaks, fish is gone. That happens. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't try to make that happen, but I've done it to my buddies. And they've been like, all right, you, you're buying beer today. And, then, and vice versa. It happens. It happens. But it, it yeah. escalated into something way worse. And the, the video ended up on social media. It was shared by a couple other groups. I know it's still out there. Um, <clears throat> anybody who knows about it knows about it. I'm sure if you follow any of the Facebook pages or fly fishing pages in the area you might have heard about it or seen it um it i guess from what i understand the it turned pretty pretty verbal and then it started to kind of go physical and then one of them drew a firearm out on his friend and that's when the person starts instagramming live you know and it's like with their friend holding a gun out at him it's like what's going on like this is not that right there i look at that and i'm like both parties are at fault you know, you, the fact that you let it, let it get to that point, you know, either side is just appalling. You know, and I, I look at that, I'm like, you shouldn't be fishing and you shouldn't own a firearm if you're going to do <laughs> right. that. Like, I mean, I carry it on the river quite a bit um, for actual reasons that I might need it. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But to pull it out of your friend, 
that just shows like what what kind of people are getting into this sport and it's like do we want that around and i hope i hope yeah. I, I hope the people i hope they learn from it i hope they they mend it but i mean i guess right now it doesn't really seem that way I mean, some feelings are hurt i mean i would be too so he pulled a firearm on me right but um i i just seeing stuff like that um and just people get aggressive and 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 and, and do stuff like that or fly fishing. It's like, that's not why we're doing this. <laughs> right. That's not why we're out here. Right. Like, I'm not out here to fight anybody. Right. You know, I've gotten, right. and I'll admit, like, I've gotten, I, I've gotten into some, 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 some shouting matches with people that I've seen hand, mishandling fish. Recently, there was a, a, a uh, conventional fisherman who caught a decent sized bow, proceeded to drag it up on the bank, you know, grab it by its gills. Didn't even grab it with his hands. He grabbed a rag out of his pocket and grabbed the fish itself, and then pulled the hook out, threw it back in the river. And I'm like, I, 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 I see something like that. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You know, and like, why, why didn't you keep that? Like, that thing's gonna die now. Yeah, yeah, he just wiped you know? off all of it. Well, and the problem is, a lot of people don't yeah. understand. You see, the guy, the, the, his response to me was. Well, I've been fishing all my life, and I've never seen my fish die. I'm like, well, sure. Of course like, not. You're not going to see it die today. It's going to die three days later, 20 miles downstream from an infection. Mm-hmm. That's just going to kill it. And I, I, that goes back to the, the people that are getting into it, the lack of mentorship, you know, just the, the lack of understanding of what you're doing. You know, it's, it's a, it is a finite resource. You know, these fish can handle a lot, but from what I understand, we go through droughts out here. And we get another really, I mean, I duck hunt down Washout Lake. A ton of water last year. The guys I was hunting with were like two years ago was dry. You went dry, yeah. So I can only imagine, like, and they said the truckie was pretty low too. Like, I can only imagine the stress that some of these fish, so you take. They had sections with no movement. Yeah. So you take, I mean, imagine the fish that are in there now that are that are under, under like, environmental situation, circumstances like that. Yeah. And then you add in. Like maltreatment and mishandling—that's not—that's not, that's not going to be good, right? You know, no, that's, and that's why you see in certain areas, like back back east where I'm from, they had a problem with the steelhead, where there were a couple of years where their numbers were super low and they cut it off, you know, and they they they, they implemented a bunch of laws and, and and different regulations, and that helped it get back to where it needed to be. And I think the saving grace right now in the Truckee River is the higher flows. So what you're seeing yeah. now is, is traditionally higher than normal because mm-hmm. of the work on both the dam. So we're not only are we getting a higher flow than usual, because right now it's running 354. Yeah, we're somewhere around there, yeah. And normally it's between 200 or two, yeah. two and a quarter to 250. So if you can imagine that scenario right now where mm-hmm. it was two and a quarter to 250 with that amount of traffic, yeah. You know, so that not only results in a lower flow, a higher temperature, you know, and the normal flow coming out of Boca yeah. was normally flowing off the top. Yeah. So this time of year, you would just be, right now, it'd be complete hoot out, where mm-hmm. it's just like you barely have the right water temperature in August. But we have that saving grace where we have that cooler temperature and whatnot. And that higher flow, I think, like I said, is just the only thing yeah. that might just be enough to be like, okay, you know, and then when the weather turns... That that's where you see the real fly fishermen come out where it's fall and then people are like, Oh, they start waning off and then when the winter hits, in my opinion, the winter oh, it's is the best for me. It's it's the best. Oh. Big, the best, the biggest fish, and then that's when you see no one. Well for know? me I love so I love summertime wet waiting. It's know? great. But for me, there's something there's something to be said about like a nice, like cold, snowy morning in mid January, yeah. layered up, you know, and that that's for 
Cook is for where I grew up. That's that's the time of year you fish. Well, that's other. from the steelhead run. That's from the salmon run. Now you're the only idiot standing in a river. Yeah, yeah, Perfect. you're, yeah, you're pretty. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see anybody out that time of year. No, and the people that you're, are out are hardcore. Yeah. Out here. Yeah. The, right. Well, the, when I have been out in the winter, it's like you know, just the people that are out there, they're, they're out there to, to really fish. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So and you, and you don't run into many circumstances yeah. in, in those cases. So. So, so we'll do a quick transition here. Where yeah. I'm, and it's because we are at Louis Bass Corner, and it's making me hungry. Yeah. So this is one of our favorite parts of the episode where we like to dive into the culinary section <laughs> okay. of, of of your past. So our podcast is aptly named "Burritos, Breaks, and Flies." Yeah. We love to talk burritos. So number one question, Ben. Where is your favorite place? What's what's the best burrito you've ever had? So, back in New York, there we get a lot. I, I've seen them out here, but we get a lot of food trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would, I mean, we, we we called it street meat, whatever you want to call it. You get out of a, yeah, you get out of a you get out of a club at two in the morning, right? Pretty. Pretty lit. Wait, what kind of um, podcast is this? <laughs> no, there was no, there no. was this there's this little uh there's this um uh Mexican Asian fusion uh food truck. And they'll do like mm-hmm. sushi, like Mexican sushi. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And they do this sushi this um they do this uh sushi uh burrito. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I mean, think of like um think of like a massive uh California roll, okay, you know, but a burrito, and nice. you got like you know, you got some Mexican spices in there, mm-hmm. but you also have the raw tuna, mm-hmm. you know, some teriyaki. That was I, I for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the, of, of the food truck, but that was you know, that was killer. What was in it? That's new. Oh, so there's so the burrito itself, rice, you know, your mm-hmm. standard. You know, yeah, instead of doing sticky rice, they did brown rice. Okay, um, black beans, avocado. Um, they uh, there's like a mango salsa in it, mm. and then your meat was just these massive hunks of 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 tuna, just raw, like seared. They seared the outside a little bit. Nice texture. Know? Yeah, and then Go sriracha down there. the middle, maybe uh-huh. some cheese. You can kind of ask them for whatever, but I would, uh, you know, get that. There's a place here, by the way, mm-hmm. called Sakana. Okay, of a couple locations, but they do the really big giant roll. Yeah, as well. My son does. Okay. Dishes for one of them close to where we live. So, awesome. FYI. FYI. The, the the sushi out here has been better than what we get back east. Sure. It's fresher fish. Well, I mean, you're within you're also within the Pacific Coast. We're close right. to the Pacific. Yeah. You're, you're literally within. I mean, the, the fresh hall. Yeah. It's literally four hours away. Yeah. So it gets here. Yeah. So, um, but with that being said, like with sushi grade, I don't know if you know this, but with sushi grade, even though if it's fresh, it, it is. Uh, frozen for a period yeah. of time, yep. and that—that's what renders it sushi grade. Yep. I mean, you can't, Nico you can't knows a... knows proteins. That's, yeah. that's his craft during <laughs> yeah. the day. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. No, it, it is. It's it's one of those things where you think, oh, Reno sushi it doesn't work. No, actually, it does. I did have there. um, I did have a burrito from is it not Berta's? Roberto's. Roberto's? Yeah, is that, am, I, am I saying it right? Where was Here, it? It's, Here in Reno. Yeah, across from the Roberto's? Yeah. yeah. I had a breakfast burrito from there one morning. That was pretty good. So this is what this is how you can truly induct yourself into the West Coast as you yeah. go back 
two Robertos. Okay. And you order two things. All right. All right. And you ask for a third. So when you go up to the thing and, you know, they, the sound comes out of the board because you can never understand what they're saying. Yeah. Like, it's like, rah, 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 rah. Mm-hmm. number one, one horchata. Okay. Large horchata. Essential. 100% essential with this next piece. Okay. Just order straight up the carnitas burrito from Roberto's. All right. That's going to give you the true, like, Baja style, like, indulgence. And you're going to have to prepare yourself because whatever's going on the rest, don't make a big plan mm-hmm. the rest of the day. No big plans. Just. Okay. Um, what you're going to get. <laughs> what you're going to get. I'm just saying it's. It's kind of like a little pitch form, but it's it's my favorite kind. I yeah. grew up in Southern California, so this is what okay. I'm used to. The carnitas they they put in there, um, I believe they're using like a traditional pork belly. Okay, and they're cutting up little squares, so it's it's cooked in the traditional lard and, and, yeah. and everything. And Ben can actually give you the description of the type of tortilla we call it. It's got the Jurassic Park effect. We bring this up from time to time, but it's a fun. Please explain this. It's- Fun fact, I just watched Jurassic Park two days ago. Okay. Again. Which one? Number one. Okay. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, they're all on there now. Oh, yeah. Well, we just got back from, we just got ones. back from, uh, we went to Fern, Fern, uh, Gully? It's in, it's in, uh, it's in Redwood Park. Um, it's where they filmed some of the scenes from the second Jurassic Park. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, at Fern Valley or yeah. Either way, ferns are growing on the side of the the, the wall, the rock walls. And, well, well, remember, yeah, remember the cool. scene in number one where the power's out. Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, they look to where the goat, the sacrificial goat, and it's gone, tied to a yeah. chain, is gone. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they see the rumbling. Mm-hmm. We we call it the Jurassic Park test, but. A high grade for us is when you look at a burrito, and if the T-Rex was coming, you can see that rumble in the liquid. Okay. Right. Yeah. The lard, the lard in that, that, that tortilla will, will have that ripple effect, you know, and, and there's a slight bit of transparency. So if you take the burrito and you hold it up to the light, natural sunlight yes. is best. Okay. Natural sunlight. So make sure you go when there's some right. sunlight. And then if you can be like, oh, I can see a pork nugget through. The tortilla, you've hit a home run. Okay. And then there's there's some half. So the burrito is probably about, um, if you can see this on the podcast, everyone's listening, it's about this big. Yeah. So you can see it. So it's yeah. about yay big. It's about that round. So just under a foot long. Okay. Yeah. And it's dense. It's 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 probably, we're probably a little over a pound. It's crazy. Okay. No, It's like yeah. gold. It's really dense. And it holds very well. You bite into it, nothing falls apart. Yeah, it doesn't fall apart. And then when you couple that with item three, which is when you go to the window, they ask you if you want uh, salsa or hot sauce. Just say yes, hot sauce, and you get the red stuff. This is why you have the big horchata. Because when you put that red hot sauce on there, you know, apply liberally after the first bite, not before the first bite. Because you want the true taste, then back it up with salsa taste. And after that bite, you'll get a slow burn, then you got the horchata. And it's just... It works out perfectly. Okay. It works out perfectly, and it, it it'll bring you it'll bring you to a special place. If I'll you visit us on our Instagram, um, you will see that we also subscribe to some different burrito places. Okay, all over, and all over the place. And Ben finds the best ones. Yeah, it's crazy. They, they, they you can get great ideas yeah. there of what we like in a burrito, but obviously everybody's different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those things. I. 
I can watch fly fishing, I can watch surfing, and I can watch pictures of trays of a burrito. Okay. With a big pepper. They all have the same effect. It's such a perfect food. I mean, yeah. you just wrap everything up in one. What, whatever you like can go yeah. in that, you know, in that burrito. No, that's the cool thing about it. Yeah, I mean, like your experience with, you know, the sushi, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you can pretty like, much, well, like breakfast burritos are right. like my favorite things in the world. Right. Yeah. No utensils, nothing. Just, you're going for it. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then, you know, I had something, I just, my youngest son, we have a pond by our house, Mm -hmm. surrounded by no fishing signs, which makes it awkward. Yeah. There's literally (laughs) about five of them. (laughs) And anyways, but basically, so I try to go in the evening. Yeah. Cause the least amount of trouble. It's full of bass. They're bass. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Large (laughs) mouth, small mouth. But anyways, I was just fishing last night with my youngest son, who's 11, and he just was like, you know what, Dad? I've cast so many times without getting a fish that no amount of fish I catch is, is going to make up for it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no. <laughs> <That's the worst>. <laughs> no. <laughs> so basically, I just... You know, I don't want to make this something like, you know, oh, I got to f- like fishing because yeah. dad's here. You know, I try to find what they really like. Yeah. And, um, but anyways, well, it just made me think when you were a kid fishing mm-hmm. with your dad. Yeah. What was, do you remember some of those aha moments that it made you go from something you did to something you wanted to do? So it was like, so, you know, from the, from the, from the longest I can remember, I grew up with like my father fly rod or a fishing rod in my hand, floating rivers, wading rivers, you know, out on a pontoon boat on on the lake, um, doing all sorts of stuff like that. Um, I can remember tons of instances where I didn't want to be out there. Where there was one January, took me out steelheading, and I filled my waders with water, and it was like I don't want to stay for half an hour. I'm dying. And I was like eight years old. And they just made me suffer through it. Yeah. So like stuff like that, definitely like I, I put that in like a goddamn it moment in my head. Um, but there's uh we would always float the river uh, before the season really opened up. Like I would go with my dad and we take the drift boat down um, every year when I was young um, before the season really kicked in. He, he you know finally got the boat like back in the water, getting all the gear set up. Um, we had had a really, really big rainfall, so the river was up super high <clears throat> um, prior to this. So fish were able to kind of get in these like little like ponds off to the side of the river. There's always like little sloughs, and then it dropped dramatically. And this was like probably towards the middle of September, like right when the salmon start to run, and you know you're starting to get and browns and rainbows are kind of always in the river and on. Um, and he knew of a couple of the sloughs that when stuff like this happened, there would be fish in those sloughs. Um, and he figured it would be a good opportunity for me to go out there and, you know, I'm like eight years old at the time, maybe even maybe nine. Um, so my my ability to fish wasn't as good as it is now. And, you know, I was still learning a lot. Um, where we float down the river, uh, sun's starting to go down, and we, he's like, we're going to go fish over there. I'm like, it's the woods. So we get up and there's a slough that's full of water. We park the boat, anchor it, walk up over this little bump in the um, in the woods, and the slough full of water. And there's like 
three big rooms, just swimming around in there. And he, his goal was for me to catch those and put them back in the river. And I did, you know, like it took me a while. I got the first one almost right off the bat, um, just using like a San Juan pump. And then the other two, the other, the other other two took a little bit of work. I think I figured out something was up. Um, and it took, we had to, we'd have to sit there, wait for them to calm down, chuck a streamer in or something. And that's how we got the rest of them, just some buggers. And it was like, it was good, good couple hours with my dad, like trying to get these brown trout out of the slough where they're probably going to die if they, they're, sure. they're, they're not, that's going to dry up. They're probably not going to get any high water again until November when it starts snowing again. So it was get them out, get them back in the river. And for me, that was like one of the coolest things in my life. That's awesome. Like that's one of those that's memories great. I look back to, and it's, that is great. Yeah, and that's a lot. That says a lot. It was a, a definitive teaching and learning moment. Yeah, you know that still carries with you to this yeah. day. Not the memory itself, but how you treat the river. Yeah. and how you how you approach things. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. It's cool. Yeah, I I just we've both really enjoyed this. I love that you have such a great experience of fishing so many different rivers and yeah. then you have stewardship mm-hmm. for the sport and that's i think one of the special parts about what you learn over time you start to really care more and kind of ask questions you know how what impact am i having am i doing it in the most you know friendly way possible being considerate so absolutely i've learned a lot thank yeah. you thank you absolutely and now for a little bit of trash talking. Because after this, we're going to do the little uh, informal, formal presentation of the uh, Moonlight River Raid uh, okay. <laughs> trophy. Yeah. But but so so just uh, I'll explain this. So you so I had a round one and round two. Yeah. You know, but but my feeling on this was that I think that you'll probably take round two. This is the round one. I'll try. I, I call it the qual- I'll try. Well, I call it the qualifier. But you know, ultimately, look, you're coming in right mm-hmm. now. Uh, you, you're wearing the championship belt. That's a WWE right. you know, heavyweight champion right there. So as we roll into September to the next full moon, yeah, uh, the next River Raid, mm-hmm. um, you got any words for your competitors out there? Words of advice, or you know, should they should they start working out, eating Wheaties? What what's what's the deal? What do you what do you got to say? You know, drink a Red Bull, uh, grab a mouse, mm-hmm. grab some Zero X Tippet, and mm-hmm. give it a go. You know, I have to say, as one of yeah. your competitors, yeah, <laughs> I would have, of course, forfeited any prize. But I was out, I think, the same night. Yeah. And yeah you, Taylor, and uh, uh, Julian, right? Yep. Yeah. Trio we, went out. We went out. Sweeping the river. Yeah. From 10 and the p.m. worst place ever at night, too. To 2 a.m. Where'd you guys go? Like, we were just. Down by Bullwhip. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh, that time, yeah. yeah. Like, wait, what are you expecting to catch? Uh, <laughs> I was doing what I always do, which is 100% going for broke. Yeah. And basically, we did run into, we heard a lot of beaver slapping, mm-hmm. saw a few campfires, Yeah. many bats, Yeah. the moonlight, but when I saw the picture of your fish, I was like, you know what? You're you're the Macho Man Randy yeah. Savage. And that's I, a that's a legitimate catch, I'll by the to, way. I'll I, try to retain that title. Yeah, I've had some yeah. people say, "Look, oh, it was pretty light." I'm like, you don't understand. When the, the sun was already down. That's yeah. rule one. So it's already set. Yeah. 
and cameras do pick up a lot of extra light. That mm-hmm. time of day, I've noticed it looks like you take the picture, you're like, I don't know, I'm going to catch it. And you're like, man, it's not that light, you know. So it was a legitimate catch, and you actually, in my opinion, you caught it one of the prime times. There's in, in mousing or moonlight fishing, there's it's two sundown to sun up. Yeah. yeah, that's when it happens. I mean, you'll get them at night. Mm-hmm. You know, you will get fish that are active. I think honestly, I think a lot of the fishing when it gets super dark is that does go subsurface. So swinging a big streamer yeah. is, is great. I think for the mice, it really is. There's like that twilight. You know, you get that right as the sun's going down, right till it gets till it gets dark, and then as it's coming up. Because the one thing people forget about is. Where we we have difficulty seeing even in the full mm-hmm. moonlight, those fish can see just as well as we can pretty yeah. much in the daytime. So that's another daytime session for them. Yep, theoretically, you know. So they're whatever protective or defensive stance they go into if they're a smaller fish mm-hmm. because the bigger fish are out. You know, so it's they're getting two they're getting two sessions of daylight, so to yeah. speak. So yeah, you have those two those small windows and you hit it, you nailed it right on the head. So congratulations on that. So Cool. Well, thanks, man. This has been an awesome podcast. Awesome. I appreciate that you've yeah, been able to fun. join us. And I think we'll, you know, d- depending upon your result of round two, see if, if you're the reigning champion, maybe we'll have you back for a short spell to yeah. talk about that a little bit because it does, the season does change. Mm-hmm. You, you caught it at a tough time. September things start getting hot. Yeah. I mean, hot as in, you know, the fishing action does start turning up. So. No, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for yeah. this fall. Yeah. Awesome. It's going to be fun. Awesome. It will be great. Cool. I can't wait. All right. Thanks again, bud. All right, man. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, thanks again for tuning in for this episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. And we'll, uh, we'll see you out on the river. Until then, have a good one.